Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Get your Bibles out if you would. Open them to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And we'll read in just a few moments, verses 10 through 21. We are continuing a series looking at the ancient document called the Apostles' Creed. And the Creed is this concise statement of Christian beliefs. And uh, if you haven't been here before, you can go online and listen to the messages. Uh, the one we did two weeks ago, I would highly recommend you go listen to. There was a very small crowd here uh, for Memorial Day weekend, but it was a very important message in the series. And so I want you to listen to that. And if you weren't here last week, go online and listen to Lonnie's message, because that was also quite phenomenal. So always can do that. But, but so far, here, let me give you kind of a, here we are so far. This is what we've gone through. This is the quickest way I can do this, is just flat out read it. So, so far, we've looked at the ideas that God created all things, that the purpose of creation was us, to have a relationship with God. Jesus, we have to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his only son, and he must be Lord of our lives. And we looked at the virgin birth. We saw that the fact that, that because Jesus was both fully man and fully God, that he could undo the curse of what had happened in the Garden of Eden. He could turn that thing on its head so that we could not live under the curse, but live under the blessings of God, including our salvation. We saw that, uh, that the, the crucifixion of Jesus meant that he took our place on the cross so that we could be redeemed. And then we saw that while his body was in the tomb, he descended, which was a very interesting talk that we had about what was going on while he descended. And, um, and, and brought all uh, Old Testament believers and everyone right straight into the presence of the Lord. And then he ascended to give us all access to God. He, ga he gave us an anchor in God and authority from God. And then two weeks ago, faithfully, he sent his Holy Spirit so that God himself, this is the amazing thing, God could dwell inside every single person and give us help along the way. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit's help? Amen? So let's stand again. We're going to recite our slightly modified creed. Once again, are you ready? Yes. Come on, everybody out loud, let's do it together. Go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the community of holy people, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Give yourselves a hand and be seated. So today we're going to focus on this line right here, the Holy Christian Church. Just show that next slide. There we go. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about church. Are you ready? Good. Now, normally I would not put our primary text up on the screen, and maybe that bothers you that I don't do that. The main reason I do it is so you'll bring your Bibles, <laughs> or at least look them up on your phones or whatever, look up the Bible, but I like people to get in the habit of having Bibles with them, or whether it's electronic or otherwise, I don't really care, but, uh, but today, because I want to emphasize a couple things, I'm going to show you the text as we go. So you can follow along in your Word or look up on the screen, but this is from the NIV. Here we go, Ephesians 3, 10. His intent, speaking of uh, God's intent, was that now through the church, everybody say through the church. Through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. I want you to say that phrase again through the church. Go. Through the church. All that stuff we just said is, God wants to do that, listen, through the church. Man, we could just close the book and go home. Think about that. That's so much. He continues, and he, and he picks up on that, and he goes into the next section. He says, for this reason, like it, with all this in mind, I kneel before the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to, to uh, excuse me, I lost my place, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Whoa, that's huge. And then he finishes with one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture. And if you, if you don't know this one, uh, circle it, underline it, put a, fold down the page, do something so you come back to this and look it over. But listen to this. Listen to the promise of God in this. Now to him who is able to do, I love this word, immeasurably, let that sink in, more than all we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but I've got a grand imagination. I've got a, you know, a big ask list and a really big imagination. And it's so good to know I have a God that wants to do immeasurably more than I can imagine. According to his power, notice that, uh, we sang it, your power at work in me, amen, that is at work in us. To him be glory, where? In the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Amen. For a few minutes today, I want to talk to you about the Holy Christian Church. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for I, I just even reading it and just thinking it through as we went through it in this moment. Feel like the spirit is already, your spirit is already doing a work in our hearts about this. And we're beginning to get a vision that's bigger than what we've had, Lord. We're seeing a, a little bit deeper just from reading your word. And I pray that, that what's happening right now with our vision spiritually will continue through this message and our eyes will be opened to the fresh things that you want to do in and through us. In Jesus Christ's name, everybody sit. Amen. How many of you played uh, some kind of team sports in high school or in any kind of school at some point or another? Okay, it looks like maybe half or so. Um, you know, I, the only uh, sport I played was cross country, and which, uh, which is what people who don't play football do in the fall. <laughs> and I didn't play football. But uh, cross country is both a team and an individual sport, but, it's, but there's not really any strategy within cross country to help the rest of your team. You basically just try to do your best place for the team, but it's really up to you to run as hard as you can, uh, which it used to be, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be 3.1 miles. I think they've shortened it, a bunch of sissies. Anyway, um, <laughs> what, what are you shorten it for? It should be longer, right? But anyway, um, but there's no real strategy other than run as fast as you can. 
I have a great appreciation, though, for sports that involve strategy and planning and thinking things through. And, and, and for me, especially, football falls into that category uh, because it seems to me like there's so much strategy that we see and much more, I think, that we don't see that's going on. I love that. And, uh, and, and I, I suppose, like, there's strategy to basketball, but honestly, for me, it's just too boring to watch. I just can't stand it. I'm sorry. I know I offended somebody right now. But, uh, but you know, it's just like... Um, you know, the, my take on basketball is this. If you watch the last two minutes, you pretty much got the whole game right there because it's, it you know, goes back and forth, back and forth normally. Sometimes there's blowouts, but normally it's just so close, and then finally somebody wins as the buzzer goes off. And eh. So that's my take on, on basketball. There's just too much scoring is the problem. Right? They should make the net just a little smaller. Make it really hard to score goals. Well, yeah, and that's the other end of the spectrum. You've got soccer. On the other end, see, again, a bunch of people, I could just feel the, oh, don't go there, Pastor Sal. Yeah, I'm going to go there. See, that's like, wow, I talk to people that love soccer, and I don't get it, because their, their idea of a great, great game is a 1-1 tie. That was like, oh, it was an amazing game. I'm like, how can that be great? I think what would be great is if they made the net twice as big as it is. And the same goes for hockey, right? Twice as big, so there's a lot more scoring. Come on. No, we don't want to get like into basketball range. We want to keep it interesting. So what would make basketball interesting is to play just two minutes. What would make uh, hockey and, and soccer interesting is double the size of the net. And what would make baseball interesting is... It's... It's just too slow. The whole game is just, they got to put timers on these pitchers and these batters. Like you got, you got so many seconds, like five seconds, and if you don't pitch the ball or you don't hit the ball, then just get out of there. Just stop it. It takes too long. It's ridiculous. Just standing. Most, you know, 90% of a baseball game is just watching people stand there. Oh, golf is a fantastic sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, but whatever it looks like, it's great. Don't you think it's great to be on a team or to watch people work together as a team? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, Ron and I went to our international convention for our, our denomination, Foursquare, in Seattle, and it was, a, it was one of the most amazing conferences I've ever been to, honestly. And I, I, there was a sense of purpose and unity within our Foursquare family of churches that I have never, ever seen before. It was just an amazing, amazing time. And uh, we decided to help out at the convention by uh, uh, being ushers for the three evening sessions, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, so what we did is we'd show up at four in the afternoon volunteering to be ushers. We got trained, and then we would make our way up by 5.30 to be ready for people to come in the doors. And so uh, that was just a great, great experience for us. Well, the first night we did that, we finished up the training, and our leader says, okay, we're ready to go. We're going to go up to the convention hall. We were on the second floor, and uh, we were going to make our way up to the sixth floor where the convention hall was. And so we all were in this room. There was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 of us, maybe that many. And we were all wearing these bright yellow shirts, bright yellow. And so we, and we also had lanyards around our necks that glowed because they had LED, blue LED lights in them. So there was no, no mistaking 
this group of people, yellow shirts and blue LEDs around our neck. So we start out down there on the second floor, and he says, we're going up to the sixth floor, and so we follow our leader. And we're following him, and we're walking out the door. We walk across this lobby. There's an escalator right there. It goes up, so he just goes right up that escalator, and we're just riding on the escalator, talking, and, and the whole, we were really close to the leader. I think we were right behind him, and there's a bunch of people behind us. And so we get to the very top of the escalator, and the leader guy looks around, and he goes, oops, because where he went, there was no way to get up to the sixth floor from there. It was going to some offices or something else. And he messed up. So he turned around and went down the down escalator. You know. And so we're, we're right behind him. Well, we look down, and you see all these yellow shirts coming up. And there were still people. There were still people that hadn't gotten on the escalator yet. But they, and we're trying to tell them, go back, go back. And they're not. They just keep following. Like, you know, they're just like following the person in front of them. They're so busy talking. They're so engaged that nobody's paying attention. And so basically, we all, you just look like a caterpillar coming up and down the escalator. It was amazing. We're like a bunch of lemmings following each other off a cliff. Well, we all got a great laugh out of it. And we finally got up where we needed to go. But here's what I want to say about that. Even in doing something incorrectly, if you will, there's, there was something remarkable about working together as a team. And I think that this metaphor may help us as we talk about the church today, what we should be as a church. And one of the greatest things that I really want to bring out today is this idea of a united church, a united church. Now, I'm not suggesting at all, believe me, mindlessly following into some destructive pattern, okay, following some leader that's taking you some, down some road you don't want to go down. But, but uh, here's what I'm saying. We're working together in such a way that even if we don't get it quite right the first time, we know that we're getting to our destination. You catch what I'm saying there? And, the, and for us at Praise Center, the destination is this. It's, it's helping people discover Jesus Christ and devote their lives to him. That's, that's what we're about. And you say, well, where did you get that? Well, it's just right out of the Great Commission, where you said, go into all the world, right? Make disciples, and that's what we're about. It's making disciples and telling people about Jesus. And that's what we're here. But as, the, but as a part, see, Praise Center is a, is a body, a part of the body, but, but as a part of the greater and larger body of Christ, we're all working together toward a, toward a destination of seeing God's kingdom established as much as possible here on earth during this season of time until it finally is fully established when Christ comes and fulfilling, as I say, the Great Commission, which, uh, which and so... So, and we go out, and what we do is we, we go into the world, we preach, we teach, we obey, we baptize, and we know that he's with us wherever we go, amen? So, so the original creed, now I said we're, we, we said we're going to talk about the Holy Christian Church. The original creed, Apostles' Creed, this is one of those lines that I modified, because it said the Holy Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Church. In the first week when I taught on this creed, I explained that, that why we decided to make a modification, and let me briefly restate that today. The generic word for Catholic, there's actually, a, a, if you will, a small c Catholic, and it means uh, universal in extent. It means involving all or of interest to all. This is the definition of the word small c Catholic. It pertains to the whole Christian body or the whole church worldwide, if you will. So, so, but we all, but the, the thing is, that word got taken over by a certain group of Christians called the Large C Catholic Church, right? And so when we hear the word Catholic, typically that's what we're going to think about. So this is nothing against the Catholic Church. It's just simply to say that, that uh, all the church is, is the small C Catholic Church, universal, connected everybody together. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, so instead, we substitute the word 
Christian. And we mean by that encompassing all Bible-believing, Christ-following, Christ-exalting, and God-fearing churches in the world. That's what we're talking about. And uh, so we need to understand the importance of this idea of unity or being uh, united within the nature of the church across denominational walls, across uh, every nation, across every ethnic group and tribe everywhere on the earth. Are you with me? So that's what, that's what that original word Catholic meant, and that's why I switched over. But my use of the word Christian may not be the best term either, because in our culture, here in America especially, but I think in some parts of the Western culture, the word Christian has been politicized. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? It's like you're, you're, you're lumped in, you're a right-wing kook Christian, you know, Republican. They, they lump all that group of people together when there's many believers who are not Republicans, and you understand? And so I don't, I don't agree with that designation, but it's kind of ruined the word Christian for us. And, and so on one hand, we think, well, man, we should reclaim that word. But the truth is, that word is only used three times in the New Testament, twice by outsiders to the faith. And the only other time was Peter re- uh, remarking how uh, you will be persecuted as a Christian. So in each of the instances, it, it really isn't a term that we're using Within the church, the best term to be using in the church for each other are not Christians, but believers. Believers. We're believers. Now, I'm not against the word Christian. I just think it's been corrupted in our society and that we might want to just say, no, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. I I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. Okay? So you didn't hear me say, don't call yourself a Christian. I just want you to know there might be some baggage with it. But the truth be told that a true Christian if we're going to use that term, will be united Catholic with all believers everywhere. Small c Catholic. Are you with me? So, so, you know, the church of the Lord Jesus, honestly, and this is the way the Bible portrays it, is a beautiful, wonderful bride of Christ. But do you agree that sometimes people in the church are riding the wrong escalator? Right? Yeah? Okay. And, and, and so that happens. Uh, a book that I've been reading uh, recently, uh, written by a guy named Michael Bird. He, he has, uh, and I just want to read this quote. In fact, I think I have it on the screen. But uh, re- speaking of the church in America, this is what he writes. He says, for many, the church is merely a gathering of religious consumers with a common interest. Much like a group of people gathered together at an Apple store or those waiting for their connecting flight in the lounge of an airport. It's too easy to view the church as a convenient location to have one's spiritual needs satisfied. And then the next paragraph, he emphasizes, and I emphasized it more by making them red, but uh, check out these phrases and think about this. He says, church becomes a place where I go to get my God fix for the week, a place where I can get some encouragement from my favorite preacher. (laughs) Somewhere I can attend to enjoy the worship music that I find uplifting a convenient place where I can meet up with my Christian friends, a provider who exists primarily for my spiritual satisfaction and my religious pleasure. Man, I read that and I thought, oh, Lord, help us. That can't even be on the radar of what you intended when you died for us, Lord. That just can't. I could add things to that, like where I feel comfortable, where my family's needs are met, where I don't feel pressured to give of my time or money. Oh, we could go on and on, but let's stop there. This isn't what Jesus did on the cross. This isn't what he died for. This kind of attitude isn't what it was about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
um, starting with verse 12 and then skipping to uh, uh, later on, 24 through 28. Let me read it to you. This is, this is what the body is about. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. God has put the body together. Let me say that again. God has put the body together. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. This is what we're talking about, united church. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed you in the church. Wait, wait, wait. God has placed you in the church. That's the way it's supposed to be. And if you don't feel like God has placed you here, then ask Him, where has He placed you? But if He has placed you here, you must wait until He places you somewhere else before you go somewhere else. Right? It, I'm not trying to keep anybody here, and I'm not, you know what I'm saying? That's not my job. I'm just saying this is God's church. And if he's placed you here, then you've got to hear from him about what the next steps are, if there's any next steps. But if he has placed you here, then dig in. This, that, understand, that's a calling from God to be in a certain place. It's not just, ah, oh, this is the place I like. I like the worship. I like Pastor Sal's hair. That's, that's what I like the best. <laughs> That's my favorite. Such a full, rich head of hair. I tell you, that guy. Used to be, she said. She used to run her fingers through my hair. Now she just pats me on my bald head. But we've got to emphasize the oneness of the church. We do. The, 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 listen, the existence of denominations has both good and potentially bad sides to it. Uh, as we just saw, the body has many parts. That's good, right? Right? And it goes on and it says if, if all parts are the same, if the whole body is an eye, then you, know, you couldn't hear. If it, if, so on and on it goes. And he, says, he, says, uh, he also says in another place, he says there have to be differences among you. So that's okay. Right? We're not talking about disunity here. We're talking about differences. Those are different things. And he says, he, you know, that, that, so I think that denominations honestly are brilliant and I think they're with, well within the plan of God. I see it like this. We are, denominations are like uh, Baskin and Robbins 31 flavors, right? All kinds of different flavors of church that you can have. And, and, you know, I don't care for chocolate chip mint, no offense. And I don't like licorice, but somebody does. That's why they have it, right? So, so good for them, good for them, you know? And so that's great. There's a lot, lot, a lot of different places you can go to get different tastes and different things as the Lord leads for different kinds of people. In our text today that we read earlier, uh, Paul says, and let me repeat it, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Every family, every family. That's a huge part of what we're saying here at Praise Center when we say Praise Center Family Church. We're, we're, and I, I know we've been a little bit misunderstood as we added that to the name of our church that some people thought, well, you just care about people that are a nuclear family. No, of course not. If you've been around us for 10 minutes, you know that's not what we're talking about. We are a family. We were at a meeting the other night, and yeah, that's good. And uh, Angela, you know, who was up here earlier, um, we had just had a great leaders meeting, and, and it got near the end of it, and she, with tears in her eyes, and I think uh, there was another uh, 
woman that was there as well, but, but we all felt the impact of the moment. And she just said, blurted out with tears in her eyes, I just love my family. And we knew what she meant. That's us. That's all of us. And I love our family too. And it's great to be a part of a family. So, so we're all related not only within these walls, but with, with every believer in the world, we're related through the blood of Jesus wherever we are. So, but denominations, if they are creating walls of, of separation or isolation, that's not good. The term independent church is oxymoronic. It is. It, by, the church, by its nature, cannot be independent of all other churches that preach the gospel. Now, even so, as I say that, uh, I don't say that to insult those who label themselves independent, and I would imagine that that's mostly just semantics. It's just a way of expressing themselves, and, they, they are, and I know they don't feel like, oh, we're just the only ones or anything like that. And no, I did not just call them morons. Okay, so <laughs> Romans 12, 4 and 5 says it this way. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member, listen to this. What does it say? Belongs to who? All. Yep. Let that sink in. Think about that. We are one within these walls and without. With the body of Christ everywhere. So this idea of this small C Catholic speaks that we are one church with great diversity, which is wonderful and encouraged. But the idea is to win as many as we can, not to divide us. And it's, what it does is it provides a plethora. I've always wanted to use that word in a sermon. It provides a plethora <laughs> of entry points for people to come. Do you see that? Yeah. Like, like I, I, we used to have a pastor friend, at, uh, the pastor that did our wedding, actually, many years ago. And uh, he, he put it this way, and I've always remembered. He said, every light attracts its own bugs. Right? <laughs> you see? That makes sense, doesn't it? So every local church shines the light and people are attracted to it. Now, of course, some people are stink bugs, <laughs> pill bugs. Some people are like bees. They're hardworking and helpful and, and make things sweet unless you make them angry. But God loves all the bugs and we do too. Now, the other part of this uh, Christian church, and I've spent most of my time so far talking about Christian or Catholic church with a small c. And I'm only going to spend just a brief moment talking about, well, I'm going to talk about two more things, but briefly mention the word holy, because um, it's to be a holy church. And holy means set apart for a divine purpose. Now, the reason I'm not going to take more time on this, which I think it needs, but in, uh, when we get to the next phrase in our creed, uh, which talks about a holy people, or uh, a community of holy people. I want to emphasize that because, because uh, we can be holy as a group, but I think it kind of starts with us being holy as a people, individually. And so we're going to deal with that in greater detail. But the church is called a holy church. And in Ephesians 5, 20, uh, 5 and 28, through 28, says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her, what? Holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. Don't devalue the amount or the, the importance of God's word in your own personal life, but the preaching of the word, that's why it's important to come and hear the word because Christ is making us holy as we hear it and assimilate it into our lives. And he goes on and he says, and to present, uh, watch, yeah, through the word, and to present him, uh, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It is Christ that makes us 
holy and pure and clean. And the truth is, again, the church only becomes a holy church as the people of the church are holy. In Jesus' name. Now, there's this final thing I want to mention, and then we're going to wrap it up. And that is, uh, even though it's not mentioned in the creed version that we use, there's, a, there's another creed that was developed called the Nicene Creed. And they actually add another word in that same phrase. It says the, the uh, Holy Apostolic Catholic Church is the way they describe it. And uh, this, this particular creed uses a different uh, language. But the, the, the word apostolic, sometimes the word apostle or apostolic uh, can seem very strange to us. We wonder what that's all about. And then um, this is magnified, I think, by some in our day who label themselves apostles. Have you ever heard of this before? And so uh, I'm just, you know, but the problem is they're just weird. Not all, but I'm just saying sometimes you run into people and I'm an apostle and you're weird is what you are, okay? So, so here's, here's my take on this. For my taste, I'm far more comfortable with people who, who will uh, identify uh, or have been identified as apostles by others around them say, man, that person's an apostle. I'm way more comfortable with that than someone who self-proclaims their apostolic ministry. And... Uh, but, but even so, let me, let me explain something to you, because Paul said in Ephesians 4 that God gave, here's, the, here's a phrase you've got to hear, first of all, and then what's the first of all? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. First of all, he gave apostles. Now, of course, there are the 11 apostles. Judas, of course, had committed suicide, so there's 11 original disciples, and then... Um, they're the first apostles, if you will. And then comes along Paul, who makes a twelfth later on, as uh, he, but in his own words, says, as one abnormally born, is the way he put it. And he goes on to say in another place, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. And, I'm, and in another place, he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. And, and I like his attitude. He, listen, he's not boasting about his gifting, but how many would agree with me that Paul was perhaps the greatest apostle there ever was? And yet, that's how he's, see how he's talking himself, like, like, well, I might be called an apostle, but I'm the least. In fact, you know, like, I don't even deserve that. I'm abnormally born. That's a good attitude to have if you're an apostle. But the, the gift of apostle is incredibly important. And um, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that the church, and I, by that again, I mean the universal church everywhere, needs leadership. Local churches need leadership. Uh, the church as denominations or groupings, however you want. Maybe you don't like the word denomination. Don't let it scare you. But whatever flavor, okay, each flavor needs to have leadership within it. And then, then God has a way of also raising up people that uh, can also be leaders of the worldwide church. I think of Billy Graham that way. Like, you know, when he was, every, it seemed like most people were willing to like, man, let's, let's, let's have a crusade in town. Let, let Billy Graham come and preach. And he became, in a sense, an apostle, I think. I don't think he would have called himself that, but I think he was. I think of, uh, and if you come to this church, you know we've had Gary and Paula Hayes here. These guys are amazing. <laughs> And they would never call themselves apostles. But what, what is going on? They, in the last 11 years, have seen over 160,000 now. I think it may even be 170,000 children won to Christ. But not just children. There's adults as well. And 81% of them are entering into discipleship. They are doing an incredible work for God in Thailand. But listen, it's breaking out into Burundi, into the Congo, into... Um, uh, a nearby communist nation. There's, other, there's about three other nations that are in the pipeline right now, and some we won't be able to mention. But, but it's just like mind-boggling when you see this, and you see someone being an example uh, of what it means to have this kind of broad uh, apostleship 
and leadership in the church. Now, they, if they heard this recording, they probably would call me and say, don't you ever say that again. But, but here's the deal. The church, if it is the real church, will be built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the leadership that God has established in the church. Out of that foundation, other leaders can come forth into families, leaders in families. You need to lead your family, men and women of God. You know, I, I, you can't abdicate that to the school system. You can't abdicate it to the church. You've got to lead your own family. And then, but not only that, but local churches and small groups and, and again, denominations or families of churches. And, and some, again, by virtue of their anointing, lead the whole church. Across, they, have, they speak to the whole church somehow. They just become a voice to all. Now, unless, again, that leadership is corrupt, it is right for believers to join themselves to a local church uh, uh, under a leadership, a team to serve with. And yes, it's true that if you've been around for a while, I may have once or twice led us up the wrong escalator. <laughs> but, but we're okay. <laughs> we, we figured it out. We're on the right path. We're still on the path to making disciples and, and helping people discover and devote their lives to Jesus. We're still doing that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Worship team, come on back up. A famous preacher years ago said this statement. He said, the hope of the world is the local church. When you hear that, you think, no, that can't be right. The hope of the world is, what would you say? What's the hope of the world? Jesus. But the reason he stated it the way he did, and I agree completely with him, is we are Jesus to this world. Do you get that? We, we represent, not just represent him. That's too weak of a word. We are Jesus to this world. We are his hands. We're his feet. We're everything but the head. He's the head. We're the body of Christ. We just do what the head says, and that's how people get to find out about Jesus. That's how people get to grow in Jesus. That's how God gets to do miracles still on this earth, and even greater miracles than Jesus did physically when he was here, greater in capacity, greater in number, and sometimes things that Jesus never did, miracles are happening. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, because we're his body. We're just, when, when you lay your hands on somebody, Jesus is laying his hands on someone. In our men's group that started last Thursday, uh, it's meeting again for these seven, seven more weeks now. It's a book by John Bevere that we're looking at called Killing Kryptonite. And in one of the chapters uh, we read this week, John wrote this. He said, in the past several decades, much emphasis has been placed on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, this is a very important and real aspect of Christianity. However, what hasn't been stressed to the same degree is the corporate reality of being one body. Simply put, we are all one in Christ. It is important to keep both truths in view without neglecting one or the other. See, a lot of times we get in this place where we focus on our personal relationship with God. Well, that's important. You have a good relationship with God. That's important. But not to the detriment of a relationship with other people in the body. And the pendulum has swung too far, is what he's saying, and I agree. Now it's coming back. We're not going to let it get over here where we forsake our personal relationship with God and become this one massive jellyfish of weirdness? No. I'm going to keep both in view. Keep both in view. I agree with him. And here in America, we see, we see church attendance falling off everywhere as people are becoming more and more self-focused in their lives. Fifty years ago, it would have been unthinkable to miss church on the weekend. Even if you went on a trip or vacation, you made sure you were in the house on Sunday. 
Now, maybe you say, well, that's legalism. Maybe it's just love for being together with your brothers and sisters and not wanting to miss what a great opportunity to be fed in the Word of God and to be encouraged to be washed by water through the Word. Maybe that's what that's about. Today, the average, we just heard this at convention, the average number of times a believer goes to church, and, and, and you guys aren't this way, but the average number of times believers go to church now is down to 1.3 times a month. There are far too many people who call themselves believers, and I'm not their judge, but I'm going to tell you something. They have severed themselves from the body of Christ. They say, I don't need the church. Well, okay. I guess. But, but, but what happens when you sever a limb, if it doesn't get reattached quick, what happens to it? It dies. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand my connection there? And I've seen, I've seen it in people. They say, well, I don't need the church. And they go off and they live this independent life. And their, their life begins to kind of tank and go downhill. And they're losing life. And they need to get reattached. And if you know people that are like that, you need to get after them and say, you know what? My pastor says you need to come to church. You can blame it on me if you want to. That's fine. But get, get back in. Get connected. Everybody, listen, everybody is called by God to do their part in the body. And even a local church has this component to it where we're not all the same. We all have different giftings. We all get to do different things. Listen, can I just say a local church, our church, should never have to beg, should never have to beg for people to work with children and youth. I don't say that to put, to twist your arm or anything like that. I'm just saying if God indeed is placing people in the body of Christ and he is putting the parts together as he wants, then everything we need is right here. Debbie should never have to sit across the table from me as she's had to many times this last year and say, we just don't have enough workers for our children's department. She should, that's, not, that's not God's church. Now again, I'm not, uh, there's no manipulation in this. I'm just saying, if God's called you here, then figure out what he's called you to do and do it. And I know that if everybody does what they're called to do, every need will be met. Because God builds his church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he can build a local church and he can build a worldwide church at the same time. So we've got to continue to meet together, work together, learn together, grow together, and even eat together. Hallelujah. We're going to do that in a few moments. We have to continue to be generous with our finances because what we can do together is exponentially greater than what we can do as individuals. Trust me when I say this. And shh, don't tell him. Don't tell them. In three weeks, we're going to take a special offering for a family in our church. They're not here, so I can talk about it. It's cool. Um, Paul and Sherry Leffler, he sometimes plays piano. They've been kind of hanging out with us for about a year and a half now. When they walked in the door, he says, Pastor Sal, we feel led to uh, pastor a church. Can we sit under your ministry and be sent out from Praise Center? I said, what a privilege. Sign me up. Absolutely. So I've been meeting with Paul. We're getting him licensed in our denomination, and they have offered him a church, uh, him and Sherry, a church with their family in Blackfoot, Idaho, neat, neat town. Uh, and so they're going to be, uh, he's going to be, uh, on J- uh, July 1st, he's going to be preaching here, and uh, he, they don't know this, but we're going to receive a great offering for them that day to help send them and to be a part of it. I love that God wants to, you know, we're not a huge church, but God is using us to do things that go out from here and touch the world, and I love that. I'm glad to be, we can be part of sending and financing the work of the gospel. Aren't you? Yes. Finally, the last two verses of our text, which I read already and emphasized, but I just want to read them again to let this sink into our hearts. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we 
can ask, all we can ask or imagine, excuse me, according to his power that is work at work within us, to him be glory in the church. Oh, let there be glory to God in this church. In Christ Jesus throughout all generations, throughout all generations, from nursery to the eldest among us, let it happen. Forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.